This episode is powered by denmeditation.com. The meditation is the primary focus. The bigger goal is for people to understand and love themselves, thus creating more harmony in the community at large. To find out more about Den Meditation's teacher training programs, retreats, and all things Den Meditation, go to denmeditation.com. Welcome to Den Talks Podcast. This is Tal, your host and the founder of Den Meditation. We have Rebecca Kordecki today. She's a breathwork facilitator. She's unbelievable. But this story is powerful. It's interesting because we start just talking about kind of relationships and she gives really cool advice. She calls it the red flags, the green flags, and the gray flags, which I love. And we really talk about what are those warning signs that we all kind of miss that you might even be having in your relationship currently. What are ways to set your own boundaries? But then in the second half of the episode, we really get into her story. And it is amazing that she's in such a beautiful place with this ability to teach with such kindness and love and strength because she's had it. I mean, she was in and out of foster care. There was adoption stories, meeting parents stories. I mean, there is ups and downs. At one point, I'm like, this is like a movie, except unfortunately, it's her own emotional well-being that is going up and down. She is incredible. The story is powerful. And also, it'll remind you that no matter what, we all have the ability to grow beautiful things, no matter what your life feels like, where you are now, what has happened to you in the past, you have the ability to create beauty. And I think Rebecca, more than anybody, will remind you of that. Also, if you like what you hear, which I know that you will, she is doing a breathwork training. It is November 5th through 19th. It's just three Sundays, 10 a.m. to 4 p.m. virtual. So you can join from anywhere, but this time that I'm giving you is Pacific Standard Time. So 10 a.m. PST to 4 p.m., three Sundays in a row, starting November 5th, ending November 19th. Come join again, but it's live virtual. um, So you can talk to her, get so much amazing advice and create a group with the other people that are there. She's amazing. She's an incredible breathwork practitioner. You will get a lot out of it. I promise. Rebecca, I'm so happy you're here Yay, to I'm see so your face. I haven't seen your face in I, quite a while. It's so nice. Mm-hmm, I know. Too. How have you been? I've been really good. Um, I, I, well, I'll retract that. I'm good now. <laughs> Last year was the worst year of my life. I had a really, pretty, yeah. What it happened? Was, well, it was just a kind of a stacking of a whole bunch of things. It was heartbreak with, you know, very toxic relationship that I quickly exited, but it took a toll on my heart. And I had a business betrayal. I had, um, I moved back from Nashville back to LA because during COVID I moved away and, um, moving back was weird and hard because everything, in my opinion, the prices like tripled while I was away and then coming back and trying to find an area I would love living. So that was challenging. And then I missed, honestly, I missed teaching in person. I missed being at the den when the den was around. I missed all of my, the things I had been doing, you know, prior to COVID and it was all hitting me. So last year it was just like a culmination of everything. And, um, yeah, I had a rough one, but then this year I flipped it. And, uh, starting in January, I just had a really big talk with myself and started going back to the basics of all the things that I know work. Talk about that. What was the conversation you had with yourself? First of all, am I allowed to swear? It's me. It's me who's hosting. And I curse like a, it's, I curse like a motherfucker. So you're good. (laughs) So I said to myself, I said, Kordeki, get the fuck up, (laughs) get up one more time. Cause it was one of those years where I felt like I didn't have it in me 
to get back up one more time off the floor, off the, you know, the, um, the idea of being on the porcelain bathroom floor, right? Like that whole thing. Mm -hmm. like we've all been there where we've had these moments, fist to the sky, the whole thing. And, um, I, I was feeling like I just didn't have one more hurrah in me. And finally uh, something had happened around new year's and into the beginning of the year where I went on this journey with mushrooms, which is not something I, really am into. I've never done it before. And I had the worst experience of my life, actually. <laughs> I had a 72-hour trip on mushrooms and nobody trips like that. I don't know why, but I tripped for three fucking days. And um, oh, that's was, interesting. Yeah, it was bad. I was the only one out of 12 of us who had that kind of an experience. Everyone else, after 12 hours, they came down. Uh, my body rejected it. And it was awful. I went into a deeper dark hole than I'd been in all year. And at the end of that, when I finally came out of those 72 hours, and then a few more days to kind of regulate, it was like January 11th. And that's when I said, Kordeki, get your fucking ass up. Restart, hit restart. Look at that journey on the mushrooms as you were in the abyss and the darkest hole ever. And it was like, saying goodbye to that terrible year and use that experience on the mushrooms as the the worst ending possible to the worst year ever and let it be the end of it yeah and let stop it be it done there. start over stop it there yeah and so i just hit go and i started i had to do some forgiveness for all the people that i felt had betrayed me and hurt my heart and so i did forgiveness letters ad nauseum i did fuck you letters i did i'm grateful for letters i did silver lining letters i did um, all the reasons I love me letters. I did, you know, just all the things I know work, breath work, meditation, um, anger releasing, um, movement, everything I know for three weeks straight. And then suddenly, oh, and then I, another big thing was I wanted to start being more social on social media. I wanted to start putting myself out there more. And so I, I just hit go on my hitting recording videos and I had never done like two camera videos like I started doing this year and I had a couple that went sort of viral and my Instagram account like grew by 30,000 followers in a couple Amazing. of months and and it was just because I said I said yes to me right and I did all the things I know work and I stopped stopping and so I'm in a really beautiful relationship and things Aww. are going great and yeah and it's so funny because you said you did it for like three straight weeks. So did you kind of yes. say like, okay, putting all the rest of stuff aside, this is what I'm doing for three weeks. Did you kind of like clear your calendar and it was like go time for healing time? Kind of, <laughs> but not like I knew I still had work to do. So I would take at least three hours every morning and I, every morning it was a non-negotiable that I would work on this stuff. And so it ended up usually being three to four hours. Sometimes it'd be two hours of breath work on the floor, sobbing and rolling and crying. And uh, other times it would be an hour and a half of journaling. And then it would be movement, um, whatever I had to do to get the energy, the feelings out of my body. I just kept going after it. And it was every single morning for three weeks. Wow. Yeah. That's amazing. And yeah, when was... did you, did you feel it immediately? Like talk, if you're talking to people in the audience, like Ooh, yeah, what, no. what was the journey for you within it? Yeah. So within it, I was like, is this even working? Am I just wasting my time? Why am I doing this? I feel good for a minute. And then by the end of each day, like after I had done like the three hours and I would have a good, I'd be high from the work. I'd be feeling good. I'd be feeling connected to my heart and everything was good again. But then by the end of the day, all the fears and the demons and the things that had crushed me the year before would sneak back in. And so the next morning I'd go after it again. And so it was, 
you know, it was a dance of like good, bad, good, bad feelings. And then finally, I don't know how I recognized it was kind of gone um, where I was out of the abyss of, I call it the suck and the muck. <laughs> I was in the, the suck and the muck. And I, always, and I was talking to a client the other day and I was saying, you know, um, when we're in it, when we're in the shit, it is, it feels like sucky and mucky. And mm-hmm. but then I always remind myself that out of the muck, out of the mud comes the lotus. And that is where the beautiful beauty is The we, we grow from that. And so if I didn't have the suck in the muck, this year wouldn't be as beautiful as it is. And, um, yeah. And I, so I just, just keep reminding myself of that. Except you, yes, but you really did do the work to bring the Lotus out. Yes, 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 yes. Which is an important piece for everyone, all of us, Mm -hmm. like to never think that I always say to, to my clients too, I'm like, I wish I could give you an easy pass. I wish I could wave a magic wand and we didn't have to do the fucking work, but there's no escaping it. Cause no. either there's two things that happen. I think I believe that either you implode, you do it to yourself. You, you beat yourself, beat you, you self harm, you a- act out or you explode. So you either implode or you explode when you're not t- doing the work and either you're hurting the people you love by exploding or you're imploding and hurting you. Right. So there's no escaping it. Right. I think, dive in, do the work and just see what's on the other side. It's true. It's like, it's painful regardless. So do you want to do the pain leading towards the beauty or do you want to do the pain that keeps you in the pain? That's right. Like, I feel like it takes just as much energy to be in the suck and the muck as it does to rise up and feel happy and joyful. And, you know, they both take some time and energy and, and why not go for the one that, you know, at least you'll have higher vibration and better vibes and better feelings. I don't know. And don't you think it's interesting how, and talk about why you think maybe, like you were saying, it was a bunch of things yeah. kind of compiled yeah. to yeah. get you into that place. Right. And doesn't it feel like that sometimes where it's all of a sudden like, oh my God, how many, you know, your body can only handle, your emotional, your physical, and your energetic body can only like handle so much. And then it's like, yeah. Yeah. but talk about how like, because I mean, you've, been, you know, a beautiful breathwork practitioner, meditation teacher, all these things for quite a while and very effective. So, which I love when you, someone shares a story like that, knowing like, this is what I do for a living. And I Mm -hmm. still had a shitty ass Mm -hmm. year where I had to lift myself up and get through it. Because again, I think it's a reminder to people, no one's immune and everyone's going through it. It's just some of us have like you could literally at one point just be like, okay, and here's my skill set and let's get to it. Right. So you're, you're coming out of it might've been a little tighter than someone else's just because you yes. knew what to do and you trusted yeah. that you could do it and you trusted there was something on the other side. So it was worth That's right. for you worth doing that work. Yeah. Um, but like talk a little bit about this idea that, you know, sometimes just shit falls apart for all of us and it does seem to happen all at the same time. And I don't know if that's an energetic thing. Like once we get knocked down, we just start attracting a little bit more or if yeah. it's, you know, the universe being like, nope, time for a big shift. So we got to really like cut you down a few ways. But yeah. What do you think? I, I think it's both of those things that you said at the end there that um, it's the universe saying it's time for a big shift and you, get, you have a big lesson you need to learn. So we're going to really knock you on your ass. And I think it's also once you're down and you're in that low vibration energy of the fear and the what ifs and the, all the things that happen, then you're not vibrating higher. So you're not attracting higher, right? Cause you get stuck in the muck. And I think, so I think both of those things coexist at the same time. One, the universe is trying to give you a lesson, but two, now you're down 
and you're just, well, if you believe in law of attraction and all that, which I truly do, I believe that Mm -hmm. what we vibrate, we attract. And when you're in that low vibration, you're attracting more low vibration things. And then there's also what you said about, I think it's fun to share that for me, it's fun to share that even though all the tools I have and all the skill sets I have, like you said, I still fell. And I still took a while to to rise back up. Usually, like my gap Mm -hmm. used to be this big where it would take me days and months and weeks, whatever, to get back to good. Now, because of all the skills I have, it takes me this amount of time. But this time it took me forever, it felt like, to get back to good. A whole year of being in the suck and muck until January. But what I think is interesting is that it just reminds us all that no matter what, you always have to sharpen your tools, right? So for me, it was a sharpening of my tools, even though I have a lot of tools and I know how to use them. I got a little lazy with them. I'm like, oh, I know how to get myself back to good. I just breathe my ass off. I'm good. And I know how to do some anger work. I can get it out of my body. But no, I needed to sharpen some of those things. I needed to put a bunch of them together in a protocol. And um, it was just a really good reminder um, that, yeah, we're never done. We're never done on this journey. What did you learn from like sharpening these tools? Like what for you is like, oh, I kind of mm. needed to tweak this or mm. I learned that. Yeah. Well, one of the ones I, I learned is I used to love journaling a lot and I quit doing it. I just stopped journaling. And one of the ones of one of the things, the tools that I used that helped the most in this kind of coming back to good uh, was the journaling. And I started just coming up with prompt questions and I would put the prompt question at the top of the page and I would just let myself write free, write until I was out of words. And I would just write and write and write and write. And even though I have the worst handwriting in the world, I'm a lefty. And and every time I write, I feel pain in my hand and Same. it just hurts. And yeah. Are you a lefty too? Or no, but like my writing hand gets hurts. tired yeah. very yeah. easily. And, and so I just said, fuck it, just keep going, just keep going. And, um, and half the time I couldn't even read back what I wrote, but it felt so freeing to get those feelings out of my body. And one of the things I think about it too, is that I think thinking is great, but thinking doesn't really serve our heart and speaking is great, but speaking doesn't really always serve our heart. I think sometimes the writing of it is where the healing is because the talking can be intellectual and too um, analytical and to left brain, right? So I believe that the writing is right brained and just more connecting to our heart. And so for me, the journaling piece was one of the things I'm like, I need to pick that back up again. So are you so, still journaling? Yes. And I love it. And I, and I use it a lot with clients too. Like give me, I have a, a client that was bucking me about journaling. She's like, I don't want to journal. I hate journaling. And then she started journaling and she wrote me two days ago. She's like, Oh my God, who knew that journaling was so cool. But, you know, it just depends on how you do it, right? Like in giving yourself really good prompt questions or using a journal guide um, that has great prompt questions. Because I think it just starts with one idea. And then from there, things, you know, flow. Is there a minimum amount of time you feel like people should write for? Uh, I don't ever. I never like to put a time. Uh, one thing I also don't like to do is I don't ever like to say you have to write every day or that you have to write for a certain amount of time or that you have to write any particular thing. I think that the freer it feels the easier people are with doing it. Um, when we, I think when we make it restrictive and confined and a must do for a certain amount of time that it takes away some of the joy of it. Um, I think right to you have nothing else to say. Mm. Yeah. 
And do you, you kind of hinted at this, but do you go back and read what you write? Yeah, sometimes. <laughs> Actually, I did re read some of the, the forgiveness letters and the fuck you letters that I wrote. Um, I remember I read them actually a few months ago. I went what back order was it in? Fuck you first and then forgiveness? <laughs> or <laughs> I don't even remember. One day it was a fuck you, the next day it was a forgiveness. But yeah, it was, uh, yeah, it was a lot of stuff. I mean, it's fair. That's the gamut of emotions. I mean, right? Right, right, right. And, and by the way, I think that if we don't go through all of them, we're doing ourselves a disservice because as a human, we have all levels of feelings and emotions we go through when there's been betrayal or loss of love or um, disappointment or a dream that didn't happen, whatever it is. And I think that we get to have all those emotions because that's why that's why we're a beautiful human. That's yeah. why we're not an animal. That's why we're a human. Humans are meant to feel. So, do you feel like because you were saying it was kind of a toxic relationship, but it wasn't terribly long? Yeah. It was very different than anything you've invited into your life before. Yes, uh, yes. This was one that was. Um, hmm. And look, I've had some picked wrong partners in the past, right? Of but course. Yeah, we all, we all right? <laughs> and, and sometimes I'm doing a masterclass right now, actually, on relationships and up-leveling them. And one of the things we were talking about last night was like how, you know, there's red flags, there's green flags, but there's also gray flags, you know, and like how we sometimes red flags are really obvious. Green flags are really yummy, but sometimes we have to remember to not miss the gray flags that could sometimes turn into a red flag and turn into a green flag, depending on how we show up and how we be in the relationship. So even if, you know, we've picked bad partners in the past, I think, um, we just, we have to remember that we're in charge of who we call in. Right. So, one of the things I learned after this relationship with this person was I saw red flags and I didn't pay attention to them. I saw gray flags and I dismissed them. And I think that, you know, the good news is because of all the skill sets I have, that I was quick to recognize, holy shit, this is toxic in two months. If I didn't wow. have the skills I had, I would probably be still in that relationship. You didn't do the thing that I used to love to do, which the is dance, like the toxic breakup, the dance, and also like I can make someone not toxic. Yeah. Oh, I can yeah, yeah. fix oh, I everybody. <laughs> I did try that. For there's a goodness in everyone, which I believe. Yes. I still believe that. But it's like yeah. this idea of like there's goodness in everyone. They just need help seeing it and feeling it and blah blah blah. Yeah, yeah. And then next yeah. thing you know, it's like you're in a very toxic relationship for quite a while, and you're like, wait, never yeah. really changed. <laughs> yeah, no, it's it's true. I did for a minute think that, and also one of the things I did which I also recognized was one of the pitfalls for me was I kept saying, well, I know her childhood trauma and I know why she's doing the behavior she's doing. So I give her a pass. Mm, but I that's know. See, still that's not, the trick. Yeah. yeah. But now I've learned that. Yes. No matter, I was going to say, we need to talk about this because yes, I think that is a that. very gray area for most people. And especially, yeah. you know, as you do healing work, yes. I was just talking about this with someone that balance yeah. of boundaries of, yeah. <clears throat> we were just having this conversation of, when you understand why someone behaves a certain way, it is very helpful. Yeah. And it does take some of the sting out of stuff, That's but right. it doesn't mean it's not still affecting your own energetic being or it's yeah. healthy for you. And then it becomes that, like, how much do you allow because you understand someone's working through something or they have their right. own trauma and then how much yes. do you protect? So go ahead. You Yeah, no, that that's exactly, exactly it. So I just kept making excuses and saying, well, I understand. I know why, why she's behaving this way and maybe she just needs to heal some of this and she'll be, be better. 
but then what I recognized at the end of it was like, if no, if someone doesn't say, hell yes, I want to heal my childhood trauma and they are passing it on to someone else in relationship, that's where I draw the line. So mm. if someone says, I actively am going after it and I want to do the work, I see it and you see them in trying, yeah, trying, you see them in therapy, you see them working with a coach, you see them doing all the things to heal it and it's not impacting you as much because they're working on it, then maybe stay. But if not, I think you absolutely have to have a boundary that says, I can love you, but I also have to leave you. And I think that's where we all have to be better. Because yeah. even though I can see someone's pain and I can know why they behave a certain way, if it's affecting my nervous system and it's affecting my emotional health and my mental state and my ability to do the work I do in the world, that's when it's a no. For me now, I mean, it, yeah. But talk about, because you were saying when it affects my nervous system, my ability to show up doing what I do, how, how was that manifesting for you? Yeah, it was, it was horrific because even, so we had two months of bliss and then, um, things started happening uh, about two weeks after the bliss phase, um, where I started saying, oh no, 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 this is going in a really bad direction. I'd seen the red flags, but I'd avoid dismissed ignored them. Him. <laughs> ignored him, yeah. And um, so it, it was another month and a half of breakup behavior and um, me giving chances and makeup, breakup, makeup, breakup, the begging and all of that, and then doing really terrible behaviors. And um, so in that month and a half, what was happening was I couldn't, I literally couldn't function. I was in a state every day where I was anxious about a phone call from her. I was crying profusely on certain days. I was always nervous of what was going to happen next because I had given another chance and now we were together again and I was waiting for the next shoe to fall. And so it was literal. I literally, and thank God I had a friend during that time who was there for me, who supported me, who coached me, who guided me, who kept sending me videos to watch about narcissistic behavior and all the things that I felt was going on. And it truly helped me sort of regulate each day, but it was a day by day process, which is exhausting. Yeah, it was. It, and that was it. I was exhausted emotionally, drained emotionally. And at the end of it, I was like, I finally, it was a blocking. I had to cut off complete ties. I couldn't, there was no communication. There would be emails that come in and phone calls come in and I just wouldn't respond. And it would be days and days and days of it. I had to completely stop engaging. That's, I mean, that's good advice too, because that takes, I would say that's where people usually falter. Yeah. No, it, and is it was the, tough like, because I is still the, had just love. The break. Yeah. Of no. course. Well, you love someone. And also when they're coming back, they're usually coming back with total remorse and understanding and complete yes. awareness of their, yes. what they've done. So right. I feel like usually that hard blockade is yeah. where people falter. There's like a lot of, you know, it's, it's hard. weak it's very spots hard. in the wall. <laughs> yeah. And I, you know, I had to do like Oh, so much work on myself, so much, uh, so many tears, so much breath work, so much letting go of anger, of, of feeling like, how did this person who I thought we were in love and I thought there was this beautiful future and my, my heart was gutted because I didn't think I was going to ever find somebody like I felt would feel that way for again in a while. I hadn't felt that way for, for many years. And so it was gutting. But at the same time, I was like, I deserve so much more. I deserve so much more. And I knew that. And that is the way I was able to block. And I was able to go, no, stop. And I completely cut communication at one point where I didn't mm. respond for weeks. 
And then, and then I moved on. I started to move on. I started to heal my heart. And then I didn't talk to that person for a long time. And then months, 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 months later, we had, uh, you know, a forgiveness conversation and it was beautiful and, and lovely. And it made my heart feel better. And unfortunately for me, then really awful behaviors came out again and I had to block it again. So it's interesting. Yeah. For me, it was sort of, it's been a sad journey with this person because I kept thinking maybe there'd be a way that we could have a forgiveness and really have it stick, but it didn't because then she went back to her old behaviors again, even after that. So and did you guys get back together at that point or you were just trying to be friends? No, we were trying to be friends. And there was a, a part of me where I was like, if there could be a change, maybe I was open to exploring it because she had said she'd done her healing work. And, <laughs> and the work, as you and I both know, and most people listening to this podcast, it's ongoing. Going. It's it's a never ending process. Because even when we get to the place where we're like, I'm good, I'm good, I'm fine, I'm feeling great, uh, then something else happens in our life that we have to deal with. And it's new triggers and it's new things we didn't know were there. And you know, or we get whammied by something else in life that throws us off. Yeah, so. and a lot of times my favorites are the ones where like the area you've done a ton of work and you actually have seen total improvement. Like it doesn't yeah. affect you the same way, whatever right. it is. And then it's like seven years later, something new comes in that just reawakens the whole thing. And you're like, God yeah. damn it. Like, didn't we do this whole thing already? <laughs> you know, and it is something that you really shifted behavior. It's not like you That's said right. you did it. Like behavior's totally shifted around it. Yes. But it's like that deeper thing comes in. You're like, oh, now look, you are in a much better place, but it doesn't always right. feel like it in that moment. Cause you just feel like you just went back to square one, which is not true at all. But no. that's like what your mind tricks you to thinking. hundred percent. I love that you're saying that because what I always talk to people about and when I teach, I always say that like for me and for, I hope all of us, I think it's always about just closing the fucking gap, closing mm -hmm. the gap for how long it takes us to get back to good. If it used to take you yeah. a year to get back to good and feeling happy again, and you've done some work and now it takes you six months. Awesome. That's if a win. it used to take you six months, yeah. And now it takes you a month, fucking amazing. If now it takes you a day, you are a rock star. It's just about closing the gap. Yes, right? and the work is what helps you. I say the same thing in class too. I yeah. always say like, the, it's like the goal isn't that all of a sudden you eradicate every bad thing that happens to you. Like that's impossible. That's right. The goal is like, how do you just not get knocked over completely every single time something happens? Yes. Like, how can Amen. you, how can you like bob and weave more? Just like you said, mm -hmm. where it's like, you can like pick yourself up or understand. Yeah. Um, it's, that's so interesting. So tell me though. So journaling was a big yeah. thing that came back yeah. for you. Yeah. Okay. Actually, before we move on, yeah. I want to know what the grays are. Like, what are some of the gray areas oh, so that people should gray, look out for? Gray flags to me are things like, okay, I'll give a good example, like social media and privacy around things. Like some people like social media, you think, oh, it's fine. We're, we're looking at each other's social media and it's all good. But then one, they start like making comments about what people are saying on your social media. And at first it seems harmless, but this actually was one of the gray flags for me with this person. And at first it was like, Oh, a comment every once in a while. And I was like, Oh, that's not bad. Like she would see someone comment beautifully, like, Oh, you're so beautiful. Or Oh, the way you talk or Oh, this. And she would think it was my new lover. And right. I'm like, I don't even know that person. Like I've never even talked yeah, to this person. Yeah, I don't know <laughs> them. And I, you know, why can't someone compliment me without it being a bad thing? And, you know, I saw that happen a few times and I'm like, Oh, 
it's it's kind of harmless but to me that was a gray flag that then became very red because yes. then it became she would say that and then break up with me on top of it i think that's your <laughs> new lover and now we're done and so that's, that's such a, great... a horrible time i've been there too that you're yeah. blamed for every insecurity someone has yeah and it's it's, it's a, a it's one. a brilliant trick because yeah as they do it, like they're insecure. So they start creating these worlds where you're the one fucking up. Like you're the one attracting this attention right. or you're the one right. who did something, even if you hadn't. Right. And it happens like so largely and so fast that you're kind of sitting there like gobsmacked, kind of like, yeah. wait, did mm -hmm. I do something? That exactly. Because no, you start to question yourself. Am you I a question yourself. person? Am I a fucking flirt? Am I just starting shit? And also don't you question yourself because you do the work and your nervous system is more regulated. Yeah. Sometimes for me, it was a little bit too of this idea of like, no one possibly could react that way. Like that seems yeah. so extreme for something yeah. so small. Like wouldn't a conversation right. happen? Like, right. so in my mind, I'm like, well, if someone's reacting that big, then was there something else I did? You know what I mean? Yeah. Cause I'm yes. like, no one would just react that way. That just 100%. feels so, 100%. in my mind, I was like, that just feels so ungrounded. Right. Yeah. But like, yeah. yes, all, all great no, flags. Interesting. That, that one, another one too is like, um, about finances, like financial, like, um, so if you're in a relationship with somebody and you are someone that likes to be really forthcoming about finances and background and how you're going to, how you spend money, what you do with money, are you in debt? Are you not in debt? And that person is sort of coveted or secretive about it. That could be a gray flag but that could turn into a red flag. If you get married or if you commingle funds and then they're not open about their finances and then you get into trouble because they were in debt or they had issues. So like thinking about all the little things, I'm trying to think, of, I had a whole list of the gray flags um, that there's things like um, controlling, semi-controlling that it shows up a little gently at first, but you're like, hmm, well, maybe it's just being there being protective, but then that could be like in relationship super controlling right if it started out kind of gentle and oh they're just being protective of me or they just you know like to make sure i know they're they're my woman or they're my man right and depending <laughs> on relationship you came out of you may yeah, love that if you felt neglected in your last relationship you might be like they care so much they really yeah. see me and pay attention yeah that's what's also tricky which I think people forget so much of like what we go into a new relationship sometimes is a, is a reaction of what we came out of last. If it's like close yes. at all, or sometimes even not close. Yeah. So things like that, which you are, is a legit gray flag of controlling. Yeah. If again, if you were feeling neglected, like in the beginning, that might feel amazing. Really perfect. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's interesting. Another thing we're talking about too, in this, this masterclass, speaking of all this stuff around gray flags, red flags is, not only in relationship do you need to worry about that and think about that. Well, not worry about it, but be mindful. I would say may, have your antenna up. Be sure that you're noticing. And, and, and also, um, I'm not listening to people's words anymore. I'm just watching actions, period. Mm. The fuck I'm watching your and I'm reading your energy. I'm looking at your vibe and I'm watching your actions. If your words and your actions don't match, bye-bye. Because that to me is the biggest sign of who you're going to be, how you're going to show up for me. Because I can talk a lot of smack, I can talk a lot of stuff, but if my actions aren't backing up when I'm talking, mm -mm. well, it's interesting. Because and by the way, your your actions always back up how you're talking. But you are, thank you, 
inherently a very good talker too. Like I mm. know that about, I am too. Mm -hmm. Like it's like your mm -hmm. brain works in a way that mm -hmm. you can communicate quickly right. and yeah. effectively. Do you sometimes, I mean, I think that's an amazing, beautiful boundary to put up. Do mm -hmm. you feel like you ever fell into this idea of because words for you are so easy and fast, mm -hmm. like actually kind of wanting the words from people? Do you know what I mean? Oh my God, all the time, all the time. I want to, I want to put a pin in that and I want to go back to one thought. So I'm going to okay. answer that question. But where I was going to with that other idea about words and actions matching and relationship, I, was, oh, I just wanted to say this thing about attachment styles. Mm. Um, and I don't, you know, I don't want to get into a whole discussion. It's a big topic, but because we were talking about like how, depending on what you came out of, right, mm -hmm. you might react differently and might need a certain thing because of what your last relationship was. But also, depending on how that person was raised or given the love or not loved or not taken care of, and they have developed an attachment style. I don't know if everyone understands what those are. It's just referring to um, the way you were raised and give, were your needs met or not met as a child. And usually it's from zero to eight, right? And if by eight, usually we've developed a lot of our beliefs and, and needs and all of our things are, are, are set sort of. So we develop an attachment style based on how we were loved and the kind of love we were given. And so it's anxious attachment, avo avoidant attachment, secure attachment, disorganized attachment style. These are all the different styles and they all mean different things. It's a, it's kind of a big topic, but depending on how someone was raised and loved on will be how they'll show up in relationships. So if you were raised and loved in a beautiful way, and then your partner wasn't, and they weren't, their needs weren't met, they weren't given the things, then you guys are dancing with two different attachment styles of loving. So you also have to take that because it's not just flags, but also like how, what's their attachment style? How do they love in relationship based on how they were raised? So there's all these things, right? And then even though sometimes you're in a secure attachment, you feel securely attached. That's the style you were raised. You had all your needs met. You were loved properly. You were cared for. You, you know, you got to express yourself. So you have a secure attachment, but then you get with someone who's not, then you become avoidant <laughs> attachment. Then you change. So even though we were raised a certain way, we feel good. And we feel like we had all our needs met. We can sometimes still dance between those styles. Right. So you've got flags, you've got attachment styles, you've got the last relationship bullshit. Fine. Well, that's why I so, laugh when people are like, relationships are supposed to be easy. It's like, no, there's a lot that goes into them. I mean, yeah. exactly what you just said. There's like so many different things. Facets a, and things. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot that goes into them. So then talk yeah. a little bit about the power of like how you are someone who's so good with words. Did you ever want, like, just want that? So I, I always want that. And that's one of, I feel like that might be one of my, no weaknesses because i think it's a good thing to want to pull someone up to be able to express freely and and be vulnerable but i think sometimes i can be hard on people i guess if i'm being honest it can Me be too. hard yeah it can be hard because i expect a lot right because i know i try to show up and I'm, I'm not perfect i make a lot of mistakes in relationship um because of my upbringing i had a very dysfunctional relationship. I am technically an avoidant attachment style, but I've worked really hard to become more secure attachment style. So 
for me, now that I use my words, now that I do like to have healthy communication and express fully and be vulnerable, which I think is a huge strength of mine is being vulnerable in relationship. I cry all the time when I talk. So I'll be talking, sharing a feeling. I start bawling and my partner's just staring at me like this. Like, and I'm like, <laughs> I just emote too much. Am I just too vulnerable for everybody? But I'm the point is, is like, yeah. And I just, I, I, I love to be vulnerable. I love to show my heart. But when I'm with someone who isn't as vulnerable or expressive, I do crave more and I do ask for it. And I do, I mean, I've, I've exited a couple of relationships because that person wouldn't pull up um, and become more. And I've asked for it. I try to ask kindly. I present it really sweetly and I'll say, look, I love you as you are. I don't want to change you, but I know how I am and I know what I need. And one of the things I need is vulnerability. And I need someone who can express freely. And if you don't think that is a part of you that you could show ever, I mean, you're not showing it now. We've agreed that. But I know for me that long term in this, my heart will be sad. And I just say, I got to go. You're or, a very good advocate for yourself. <laughs> thank you. No, but you are. I, I mean, it. yeah. Because I think that's, don't... especially in relationships, I think that gets a little wonky for people because, you know. Yeah. It's hard to advocate for yourself sometimes. You think you are or you think you want to, but then you're, like you said before, you could be thinking so much about the other person, what they need, what they want, that you stop advocating for yourself. Yeah. Well, I, I try, it took me a long time to learn that, right? To learn that skill. I think for a lot of years, I didn't advocate for myself and I just accepted or tried to work with what I was given or how they were showing up. And um, I think that just is age, right? With age, we have <laughs> wisdom. And so the older I get, the less I... I'm willing to just settle, I think. And I just got really good at asking for what I need. So let's back up. And by the way, I've loved this conversation about relationships, mm. but let's back up to you're this incredible breathwork instructor and practitioner and meditation teacher. But how did you, and you said you came from a little bit of a dysfunctional family. Mm. <laughs> what did that mean for you? Like, what did that look like? And then how, yeah. how did you breathe them out? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, wow. Um, so that took a minute. Um, I was, uh, I've told my story so many times, but, but, and I always try try to make it, you know, still not feel like it's, it didn't impact me because it did, even though I can talk very surfacey about it right now. Mm -hmm. But, um, it, it was a lot of things. It was, you know, I was raised on and off in foster care, which is the first thing, but I was raised by a mom who, who, you know, I'm sending her all the love, even as I ever speak about her, we're estranged right now for 15 years. Um, and it was a choice of mine because of, you know, toxic behaviors, dysfunctional, narcissistic behavior, I believe. And um, it took me a lot of years to kind of reconcile um, some of the things that happened to me in her care, um, sexual abuse and things like that, because of her poor decision making or irresponsibility as a mom. And you know, you can make the claim, well, she did the best she could with what she had, and she did. But that said, it impacted me and the way I was raised. And um, I didn't meet my real biological father till I was 40. Um, I was adopted at 12. And then because of some of the dysfunction in my childhood, I got really addicted to cocaine and at my early 20s. And it was because I never dealt with all of the trauma from my childhood. And as a teen, I struggled to find myself. I was, I felt very lost. I, I was confused. I didn't understand um, what I was here for. I used to always ask the question, what is my purpose? Why am I here? And I struggled hard and I fell into the drug addiction and it almost killed me. So 
for me, that's how the, my childhood dysfunction manifested as an adult. Um, from like 21 to 26, I was heavily addicted. I mean, to the point of like five days in a row using with no sleep, um, staying up, just using and using and using. And I existed only to get high. And so for me, the day that I finally said I want to live because I was close to dying, I think, um, was my rock bottom. And that's when I got clean from from that drug. And so that began my journey of working on myself. And um, it took me a lot of years to see how could I work on myself because from 26 to 30, I still didn't know. And then at 30, I was so fortunate and lucky to meet a woman who became my life coach and my mentor um, who um, was just my touchstone, my rock in the world. And she's no longer here, but I always talk about her still as the most important person in my life because she finally made me feel worthy. She showed mm -hmm. me that I mattered, right? And she didn't make me, but she showed me how to find myself again. And then I realized I'm, I'm worthy, I matter. And for a lot of years, I didn't think so. So, yeah. So when you're going in and out of foster care, are you going back to your mom in between? Yeah, we actually did. I had a brother, a half brother, and he and I were in and out of foster care for for a few years. But before that, we bounced. I bounced personally from a family member of this guy that was finally going to adopt me back to her, back to. I mean, I don't know why. I counted once, and I think I was in twelve different schools in twelve different cities in twelve years. So mm. it was a lot of change, right? <clears throat> Instability, and it it affected how I grew up because I grew up not expecting anything to last, not expecting love to last, not expecting friends to last, not expecting to find stability or what home meant, life meant, love life meant. I, I didn't have a picture of that. Were know. there any places that even felt good or did you not even allow yourself? What's interesting is um, I, looking back, don't ever remember feeling sad about what was going on. I think, and that's part of why I had this hard sort of exterior. People would look at me in the, when I was younger and they still may now, but like, it's a, you, I thought you were such a bitch. You have such as walls around you and blocks. And but then I got to know you have such a mushy fucking heart. And I'm like, yeah, that is my truth. But I put all these walls up for protection because, um, I was scared of everyone and everything. And, um, I didn't want to be seen. I didn't, I didn't know how to show up. And so, um, yeah, I, I, I bounced around a lot and I think it just, yeah, it shaped a lot of who I became initially until I started doing the work on me. And when you would go back to your mom, mm. so what ages were you bouncing in and out and going back to your mom? Yeah. From like, um, zero to 12 zero to 12, <laughs> like from when I was born all the way in and out. And then finally we got taken away from her by the state because she was deemed an unfit mom. And then we were like for one and a half, like a year and a half, two years in foster, a foster family where we actually lived with one family. But before that we were just bouncing from a couple of families and then we'd go back and then bounce. So in hindsight, not hindsight, but like as someone who's been through this, I'm curious and I have no opinion on it. Yeah. Do you think it would have been better if they deemed her unfit earlier or mm. would that have been worse? Cause then you would have been in like, what do you just mm, as a comment a, on our system and how it yeah. works? I'm curious. Um, I feel like every single thing, 
everything I went through is, is, was perfect. So like all of that bouncing around, ah, excuse me, choke up a little bit. Man, this is a place for it. Go for it. (laughs) I emote a lot too. So you're safe. (laughs) You're safe here. Thank you. Mm. Every home I went to, every family that took us in, every place I was with for six months and then gone from, I made a new friend. I went to a new school. I learned something. I, cause like I guess I started to say, I didn't, don't think, I think I finished the thought that I don't remember being sad. I mm. don't remember feeling unhappy. I think I was that kid that just knew how to survive it. And I put up these walls and I put up these guards and I protected myself. So everything I saw and went through felt happy until it didn't. There was a point actually when we were with that foster family for about a year and a half where they were really, really religious. Um, It was in Nashville. It was in the South and well, not so South, but South enough at that time that um, they just had the very, very, very Christian beliefs, but they were strict. And my brother was very hyperactive and he was always in trouble and the father would beat him. And I would hear him crying and I would hear him getting beaten again and again and again. And I just was, was losing it. I was so sad. And I was like, I think I was 11 or 12 at this point. And I called, I remember calling our social worker one day and I said, please, please move us out of this family. I hate it here. We hate it here. They're hurting my brother. Can you move us? And that, at that point, they made a decision because they couldn't find a, another family to take us both to send us. He had a biological dad and I had, didn't have a dad that was, well, I did, but I didn't know him. But I had this man that had been staying in my life since I was a kid, since I was two. And he adopted me at 12, which was what, and so to send us to both of our dads so that we could go with family, quote unquote family, um, they made that choice. And so then I was with him and his new family. Um, he had remarried. He had married my mom briefly. That's how he came into my life. And um, I lived with them for four years, which gave me a little bit of semblance of family life, of discipline, of rules and all of that. But I had the stepmom syndrome thing. So the stepmom hated mm. me. So then I lived in a, in a household where they fought about me all the time. She was unhappy that I was there. She thought I was a slut. She thought I was all these things. Why and, is it always when you get the teen girl, they always think they're a slut. I feel like yeah, that, I mean, she friend tells me the me. same story. It's, it's, it's real though. And I thought, oh, that's such bullshit, but I was living it. It's, it is real. Um, with, with that scenario, it doesn't happen in every family, but for me, it did happen. And funny enough though, after I left there, um, we became really close. It's, it's funny. Like while I lived with them, she didn't love me, but once I left, she loved me really hard (laughs) in a beautiful Mm. way. So that was a very sweet story. But, but yeah, I mean, it was, um, it was a lot. Do you consider like, so when you think of family, yeah. Do you consider having like, what's family to you? Well, that's a good one. Um, Because family now for me is still that man that adopted me is in my life. He's, I call him my dad. Um, He is my family and I've got um, stepbrothers and sisters with him. I've got my half brother, Greg, who I adore and love and who I'm very close with. Um, And that, that would be my immediate family, people I call family. But then family now for me is, are the friends I have. Some of my clients have become good friends. Um, my partner, when I'm in relationship becomes my family and that's, yeah, that's been good for me. And when you would bounce back and forth when your mom was still in the picture, yeah. do you remember like 
the, I know you were like, you were happy, you knew how to be happy. <clears throat> was there a period of shift? Like when you were younger, were you happy to go back to your mom? And then when you were, were you always yeah. happy to go back to your mom or did that shift yeah. at some point? Like, did you just start getting smart enough to get angry at her? Like what? So such a beautiful question. Yeah. That, that's exactly what happened. Um, in the beginning, I would miss her so much and I would, I put her on a pedestal. I idealized her. Um, she had so many, has so many beautiful qualities. She's an amazing artist. She was a singer, a creative, she very strong energy, funny, uh, so many beautiful qualities. So I, as a kid, she was my idol. I was like, she's, and she was gorgeous. And I was like, oh my God, I miss my mom so much. So we'd go back and I'd be like, yes, I'm with my mommy. And it would be awesome. But then from that period of 12 to 16, I missed her a lot. I didn't see her at all. And then at 16, I went to visit her. She lived in California and I was living with that the family that adopted me, who I call my dad. And we were in Wisconsin and I went to visit her one summer in Venice, California, which is where she lived. And I just didn't go home. I was so happy to be with her. I had missed her so much. And I called my dad and I said, I'm, I'm not coming home. And if you don't let me stay, I'm going to emancipate myself and I will choose to stay here. And he's like, well, I can't fight you. She's your biological parent, even though I adopted you. If you want to stay, you can stay. So I stayed with her. And in about six months of living with her, we had a small studio apartment in Venice. And I lived with her and went to Santa Monica High School. I was putting myself in school. I realized in six months she was crazy. And she was unhealthy for me. And I moved out. I was still in high school and I moved out. I got an apartment. I got two jobs and I finished wow. school. But because I realized, oh my God, I'm idolizing someone who's just dysfunctional and showing up in all these creative ways and eccentric ways. But really, she's unhealthy for me. And um, she would say really hurtful things to me. You know, I, I didn't know my biological dad, and but she chose to have me, right? And she could have not. And she would use that and say, you're lucky you're even here. You could have, I could have had an abortion. You wouldn't even be here. And so she would throw that much. There was just things like really hurtful things that hurt my soul. And I finally just made the decision to leave when I moved out. And, and from that point, I started knowing that my mom's not who I put on a pedestal and there's some dysfunction and lots of unhealthy behavior here. And isn't it interesting? And it shows you what that mother daughter relationship is, which is that our it most took important you yeah. until 16, where you've yeah. already been adopted by a whole nother person that's not biologically yeah. related to you. Yeah. And you've been in and out of foster care and then with the foster family. And it was still at 16, you were still like, nope, this is who I want to live with. And it's yeah. almost as if I'm so curious. So talk to me about, I mean, that's a lot. So you finish high school on your own in an apartment, basically as an adult, you know, with jobs, but minus that, which is already hard enough. Talk about this idea of emotionally realizing this huge truth about your mom. Yeah. That was devastating. Now, honestly, if I'm so honest about that, it broke my heart because yeah. I, I really, and, and even still to this day, like when I think back on the feelings I have, I still love her deeply, but not in the same way. It's a different relationship with the love I have for her, but she, we would go out. I remember we would go out together in Venice and we would say we were sisters because she was young enough looking and we looked 
like and a lot of like. And so we would go places and she didn't like to be called mom. So she would just say, you're my sister. We're sisters. You're my little sister. And we're going, we would, we would go to clubs together. We danced together. We would play. And I just had so many beautiful memories when it was good until I really recognized that it was also unhealthy and toxic for me. Um, but so it did, it broke my heart because I had to remove myself from relationship with her. And, and still to this day, I'm, I can be sad about it, but I also am smart enough and wise enough now to know that in her energy, I am not the best version of myself. I mm. lose myself to wanting to save her. And then that's not good for me. And I can never fix her. Like if someone doesn't want to fix themselves and now she's in her eighties and you know, it's been a lot of years of the same behavior of being the victim of being a narcissist and being dysfunctional and not wanting to do anything about it. And I can't fix, I can't save her. That's up, it's, that was up it to her. Interesting that we kind of started with the conversation of just relationships and just <laughs> this idea. And you, cause I was saying, wow, you really act, you're a very, you're a good advocate for yourself. Like you really you. stand up and know how to set the boundaries and interesting that really your first lesson in that big time was your mom. Yeah, that's good. That's right. And yeah, I mean, I still often, you know, even in the last year, my brother and I were both actually estranged from her now. He took longer than me to, to go there because he just kept, he, and he's a guy. <laughs> it didn't impact him as much. And he even says, <laughs> and he goes, I just don't let her affect me. I just don't care until he does. And then right. finally he goes, he'll call me like three after, like I, I usually end it quicker than he does. Like we tried to revisit a relationship with her a few months ago. She had a important surgery, hip replacement surgery. And we both said, let's show up for her. Let's just be there for her. Let's take her. Let's be there when she comes out of surgery and let's see if we could try one more time, because we do this every couple of years. So we did, and we went, and it was, first day, it was awesome, because she was still high on all the drugs. And <laughs> it was amazing. And I was like, there's hope. And then like day two, day three, day four, it just whittled back to the same behaviors. And me being in the room with her at the hospital, just going, I just, I don't feel any connection to this human in front of me, the way she talks, how angry she is, how, how she turns everything into a night. I just, I feel no, I, I zero. And I, it hurt me to even feel that, but I, so I left. And after a few days spent seeing her in the room at the hospital, I received a bunch of texts from her one day, like an ad nauseum list of like ramblings of like maybe 20, 30, text long, so long that they wrap around on your phone, which I've never had those kind before from anyone. And just her going off being crazy again. And I blocked her and I told my brother, I said, Greg, I'm out again. I can't, I can't do it. I was hopeful for a second. There was a glimmer where I saw maybe, and then I realized, oh, it was just the drug. She was still high from the after surgery. And I said, so I'm out. I'm removing myself. It's too toxic for me. I can't have my phone, which is a beautiful place for me to engage with friends and family and lovers and people that I do care about be now this place where she unloads. And so I blocked her and he's like, well, I'm just not, I think there's hope. I'm just, so he, I'm like, go more power to you, brother. I love you. And then three weeks later, he's like, I'm on your team. I'm out again. <laughs> She's fucking crazy. Uh. And look, no disrespect. So if she probably may ever listen to this, you know, I don't mean it in, the, in a bad way, but I have to be honest. I have to be able to speak my truth about that relationship. Of so. course. It's so beautiful, your relationship with your brother. I mean, and mm, as awful as it you. is, you guys had to go through that together. How mm. lucky you had each other. Yeah. He's the silver lining of that for sure for me. 
And I was going to ask, like, because it sounded like you went through the schools and stuff, like you said, pretty upbeat, making friends. Did he have it as easy in that sense emotionally or did was he kind of a smooth sailor too? He did. He did. And you know what I mean he, by easy. I know it's yeah, not easy. Yeah, no, no. I know, <laughs> I know exactly. No, I, I feel you. I know what you mean. He, um, he, I think, did pretty good, but I know he did struggle with um, the hyperactiveness. He had... Um, I think ADD or ADHD, I don't know for sure which version, but he was, yeah. And I think he got into trouble a lot for that, like at school. And um, even I think with his dad and stuff, he, he struggled a little bit with that kind of stuff. But I don't actually, we've never talked about what that journey was like for him. It's a really good question. It's funny. He called me yesterday. I think I'm going to ask him that. Thank yeah. You for Be curious. Yeah. Because it is. I mean, imagine you're an extrovert. Like imagine if you were an introvert yeah. going through that. Ugh, mm. It'd be mm. brutal. Like yeah. you'd never make a friend because you would just be like easier for me to just put my head down and like, yeah. mm -hmm. um, so how, yeah, I'd be curious after you ask him. Let me yeah, know. I'm going to ask him. I will. And then you said you met your dad. My biological, biological dad. dad. Yeah. yeah. So I had his name and, and you might go, well, why would you want to meet a man that did that? And, but so for me, the struggle was that I just needed to know where I, how I became to be me, who has part of my genes in me. What does he act like? I just had a fantasy of seeing him, feeling him, knowing him, understanding him. And I didn't really want to have a relationship with him. I just wanted to see him, even if it was for a second. Mm. And so I, um, I started searching and Googling and looking. And, and so one time I found what I thought was his address and I sent him a picture of me. And at that time it was after I'd gotten out of my, uh, I was in, in sobriety after getting off of the drugs. I was like 26 or something. And I was starting to do some acting work. So I had a headshot and I sent him my headshot with this long letter. And I'm like, I know you're my dad. And I just wanted you to see what I'm doing in the world. And please reach out if you want to talk to me. And so <laughs> I know. I never heard back. I was going to so, say that's the recipe yeah. of it disappointment. Was I know. It was awful. I never heard back. So another 10, 15 years goes by and I'm in this relationship with this beautiful woman and I'm sharing with her about my story about wanting to find him. And she goes, we are finding your dad. I don't care what it takes. I am finding this man for you. So every now and then we'd go on, we'd Google and we'd look and no, no luck, no luck. One day she comes running into the bedroom. She's like, I found him. I found him. And I'm like, what? She goes, yeah, I think I found your dad. She goes, come here. And so she shows me all the public records. She bought like, you could do the searches on a name and she bought public records and all the things lined up. Like we heard he lived in San Francisco. We knew what age he was. We knew what profession he was in, first and last name. So there was like a ton of his names. So we crossed out all the ones that couldn't be the right age, that didn't live where he's supposed to live. And we circled the last one. And there was a phone number to an office. And I'm like, well, I was, my heart was beating fast. I was sweating. I'm like, I'm going to call him. I'm going to call and leave a message or I'm going to call him and talk to him. And she goes, really? And I'm like, yeah, I have to. So I got up, it took me a few days, but then, so I call and I, I get his voicemail and it says, you've reached the psychology offices of Dr. Da, 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 da. And so I'm like, he's a psychologist and I'm going to make an appointment with him. So Ooh. I call and I go, I go, I go, hi, so-and-so, this is uh, Miss Kordecki. I don't, I don't say who I am to him. I'd like to make an appointment to come see you. I have a, and I tell him what my issue is, what I want to work on. And I'm in LA and he's in San Francisco. And I go, I don't know if you're taking new patients, but if you are, I'd love to make a, an appointment with you. So 
I don't hear back for a week or two or three. Then one day I'm working out and my girl comes running and she's like, guess who's on the phone? We just got a message from him. I'm like, what? She's like, yeah, call him back, call him. So I call back and I make an appointment to go see him as a patient. So he doesn't know who I am. And she goes with me. We drive up to San Francisco. We get a hotel and I have an appointment. So I go in, he opens the door and I'm like, what does he look like as far as what you expected or does he anything similar to you? Yeah. I've got his jawline. I've got his nose. Um, he's tall. I don't have that. I didn't get his height, but like, there's, there's a lot. I see a a lot in me in him. And so at this point he still thinks I'm a a patient. And so we go in, we go up and we sit down. It's like a movie. I wanted to write a movie about it at one point. So anyway, so we're sitting there and I brought a little mini tape recorder with me because in my mind, I'm like, I may never ever see this guy again. I want to record his voice. I want to record the conversation. And it was in my purse. So I hit record and I record it. And my girlfriend's with me, asked her to come into the session. And I couched it under the idea that we wanted to have a child together and we were struggling with intimacy issues and that's what we were coming to talk to him in therapy about and so we start talking and you know i start saying how we're struggling and uh, you know we're, we really want to do this we're having some intimacy issues we want to have a baby um the reason why we're struggling i think i say is because i don't know my father i never met my dad i don't have a father figure in my life and i think I've been struggling with that. So I'm having a hard time connecting. Da, 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 da. And then I freeze for a second and I look at her and I get tears in my eyes because I'm like, because I told her when we walk in, I go, I might tell him I'm his daughter I might not. and I might not. If I look at you and I look at you for support, just nod your head yes or no, whether you think I should. So in that moment, I froze and I looked at her and I had tears and she's like, do it. So I look back and I go, and I don't know my dad, but I have reason to believe. He is you. I believe you're my father. And oh my he God. throws and he goes, you're going to give an old man a heart attack. He goes, what are you talking about? And I said, well, do you know? And I say my mom's name. I know that you know her. Here's a picture of her. And I bring a picture out. And he's like, and he was honest with me. He's like, yes, I know her. Yes, here's what happened. His story didn't match hers. Of course, they have different stories. And he said, you look so much like me, but I am going to have a heart attack right now. I mean, can you imagine someone has no clue you exist? Yeah. He goes, give me a second to collect myself. He actually did know I existed because she called him and said, I'm pregnant. I'm having a baby. And he said, I want nothing to do with it. Oh, he was. I mean, to be honest about that's amazing. But he was. Yeah. That's why I was a little bit shocked. So he said, what do you want to know? I hear I get why you're here. Ask me anything. And so I asked a bunch of questions that I wanted to know, and he shared a bunch of things. And that part of it was really sweet and beautiful. And I got some info about my medical history and my ancestors and things. And and then at the end, like a fool, like we always do, I go, well, first of all, I said, how much do I owe you? He said, this one's on me. (laughs) Of course. (laughs) Nice guy. So I said, would you, oh, and he's remarried and he has two kids. So I have two siblings siblings that i course would want to meet. And I said, would you want to stay in my life and start to get to know each other? And he said, no, I don't think that's a good idea. Wow. So it was nice to meet you, Miss Kordeki. Have a beautiful life. And I left. So I'm crying in the car. I'm like, of course, I put myself out there. Of course, I tried one last time. And then a month later, I even called back and said, this is how bad, you know, when we have a 
like a need that was unmet as a kid, right? Mm. It was unmet, this fulfillment of like knowing your real father. And I think, so I called and I said, again, I said, this is my one last attempt to see if you're interested in having it. Because of course I've watched so many fucking movies of people who reconnect with a parent years later. And so I'm picturing that. And he then called back and was actually very, very mean. And he said, if you ever call me again, um, please lose my number. Please don't ever reach out to me again. I've got a new life. I've got a new family and I want nothing to do. So, yeah. And again, a light enlightening again, like what's the saying by Maya Angelou that Oprah always talks about when people show you who they are, believe them. Right. Yeah. So I should have known obviously just by his actions when he was younger, he didn't want a kid. He meant that he didn't want me in his life. He meant that. Right? I'm so sorry. That's a hard. Nah. <laughs> it's okay. It, uh, all that made me stronger, right? It all made me stronger. Yeah. And talk about when you discovered breath work. I mean, literally yeah. connecting it to all this, yeah. how something as powerful as breath work really helps move the energy mm. of these traumas. Mm. So powerful. Um, for me, the good news is the beautiful thing is I discovered breath work at the den and I got to take my very first class there. And it was when I was going through a relationship that was really was was a tough one because it was one of those ones like we talked about earlier where we want to save the person and this was um someone who i felt was having kind of a nervous breakdown um and there were some behaviors going on that uh she wasn't necessarily being abusive to me but she was just hurting herself and i wanted to try to fix and save and i couldn't and i was it wasn't working and so we were breaking up but it became very painful for my heart. And I was struggling with leaving her because I, I was just worried about her health and her mind, mental state. And um, someone said to me one day, why don't you go try breath work? Like, you have all the tools for other things. And those tools actually weren't working at the time. But they said, I bet breath work will help you. So I said, I'll try anything right now. And I went. And I had this amazing experience. You know what people say, like, what the fuck just happened, right? The mm -hmm. cracking open, the feelings coming out, all of the tears, um, things that I thought I had cleared out and worked on with my original life coach, my, my uh, spiritual guide uh, at 30. And I worked with her for probably 10 years and I've done so much work, but there was still more in there. There's always more, right? Yeah. And especially with a lot of, well, obviously I've gone through a lot. So there was more that I didn't even realize was still there. And that was the beginning. Also at that time, I was in this weird uh, position at a uh, crux of my career. I was a, a fitness trainer, quote unquote, celebrity fitness trainer at this time. I'm working in the industry uh, all around fitness and wellness, but I was getting burnt out and I was feeling like there's got to be another iteration of me in this work next level. And I just didn't know what it was or how to go there because I'd been doing fitness for 21 years at that time. And that's a long time to be in a career and to just pivot and change. So I, I knew I needed to change, but I didn't know what. So that night when skies parted and all this stuff came out of me and I was like, holy shit, I regulated and I got back on track in my relationship. I was able to leave it with grace and integrity and send that person on their way, hopefully to, you know, their better place. But, um, so that helped me move the needle in my life. But then I also said in that moment, oh my God, this is the thing that could be the next iteration of what I do. Because mm. all the work I've ever done is about helping people see their truth, the goodness in them, find the happy in them, find their joy again, because it's always in us. 
We just need to uncover it and peel away the bullshit that hides us from it or hides it from us. And so that's all. And I did that through fitness. I do that through massage. I've done that through um, the coaching work I had done previous to now what I do. And so that's all, all I've ever cared about after I got off the drugs was to help people find their way back to joy. And so when I saw the breath work as a potential new tool, I was like, this is the thing. This is what I'm meant to do next. And so then that began the journey. I just started going to class every day and learning and studying it and doing my own work first with it, like letting it peel me, peel the layers away. It does peel open. you open. Yeah, it peels like you open. That's what people don't understand. The breath is so intense. Yeah. It like shakes up your nervous system to allow it yes. to just let go of all the shit it's holding on to. That's right. That's right. And it's things that even though you think you've done the work, things you didn't realize were still there because it's deeper, <laughs> deeper layers, right? That was yeah. my first time. I joked yeah. like all of a sudden by the end, I'm bawling and I'm like, I didn't know I was still sad about that. <laughs> like if that was my thing. The thing that came out, I was like, I was still so sad about that. And I was. I know. And, and that's <laughs> the thing. It's like, I think that, you know, sometimes when we do the work, it's very heady and very surfacey because that's the way we're taught. Like we're to talk therapy, to talk it out, da, 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 da. And, and no disrespect to talk therapy. I think it's beautiful, but I think it doesn't go, in my opinion, deep enough, yeah. deep enough to those layers that are really hidden and really protected and guarded. And talking to me just doesn't get it out. Mm. So yeah, it was, uh, whew. and so then that began my journey. And then um, well, you know, you were the first person that hired me to teach. So that was how I started was, and you were just, amazing and you had well, a huge following right you. off the bat because you. you're so effective and good at what you thank do. You. Mm. And I do think like your student said to you, you spin, you know, gold out of your pain. Is that what they said? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, I think that is your, um, you know, I feel like every teacher, every good teacher has a thing. Yeah. Um, it's not something you cultivate something. on yeah. purpose. It's like, it's just why your purpose of teaching, like what you're providing and coming from. And I do feel like that mm. is a beautiful part of who you are and you do it, but you do it with power. Like you're very powerful and strong. I mean, obviously look what you've Thank gone you. through, but yeah. that comes across. Like you're not the teacher that's like mm. soft-spoken and holding right. your hand, which by the way, nothing wrong with no, those no, teachers either. Right. I always say there's different flavors of it, right? But I'm definitely not that. Style. No, you're not that. I, yeah. Everyone yeah. needs, and everyone needs different things. Different so. things, right. Mm -hmm. Same thing. I'm, I'm pretty strong too. And yes. I always tell people if you yes, need you more of the handholding, which is okay, I'm probably not it. And then you'll probably get yep. frustrated with me that's and right. like, feel like, oh, like it just won't be the right energy match. So that's all I mean by that stuff. But you are that's very... Right strong yeah. you're tough and like that's who you are mm -hmm. but in turn that's what you're teaching and i think that's really yeah. beautiful and you mm -hmm. said something really beautiful about what it started to help you do which was find a truth of like the beauty that lives in all of us and i feel like coming from you who's had so much, i mean literally the twists and turns like there is a movie <laughs> there but the disappointments and we're not just talking like little disappointments we're talking i identity disappointments of like who you are, who are the base people that are supposed to be taking care of you. You went through mm -hmm. so many of them. So the fact that you are someone who can be like, no, 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 no. Mm -hmm. Everything is bullshit. There is a beauty mm -hmm. and a truth in all of us. Like some of us might need more work to uncover it and get there, but like it exists. I think that message is huge. And so and coming from you, I feel like people can trust it. Mm -hmm. uh, thank you for that so much. Thank you for all those kind words. Um, yeah, I think for me, I've been really, really lucky that the people that have been attracted to my style have said what you've said, 
that the reason why they come to me is because they know they can trust me to kick their ass, but also to be there with a soft place to land at the mm -hmm. end when the tears do come and when they do let it all go. And I think I've been able to balance that pretty well. I think um, that I, I know that sometimes we need the tough love um, because that's what I had to give myself, but I also needed a, a place to land where I could feel safe and ah. <sighs> Hmm. So that's why I teach like that yeah. to remind people that we can get lazy as humans. We can be lazy. Look, let's, no one wants to do the hard things. It's not like we don't go in. Yeah, today I'm going to go after that fucking monster. I'm going to go nail that pain. Yeah. Nobody goes in like that. But when we do the hard stuff and when we see that underneath it is magic and beauty and light and peace and truth and us again. That's what makes it worth it. So for me, I know sometimes I got to kick people's asses to go do that. But then I want to remind them that I'm right here. I got you. And you got you. By the way, you got you. Well, you that can I think heal is huge. You. When people I, start to realize, like you did, like when you woke yeah. up and you're like, okay, Rebecca, get your yeah. shit together. We're starting today. You yes. had you. You had me. And, and I, yeah. I never want people to think, and when they do put me on a pedestal, they go, you changed my life. You fixed me. You healed me. No, 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 I did not. You healed you. I just showed up and I said, hey, I got this really cool tool. You want to try yeah, it? I got some pointers then, for you. Yeah. And then they grab it and then they do the work, but they fix them. I agree. And it's the coolest yeah. thing to watch it when people finally yeah. start to realize the power they have That's over their right. own selves. And look, and we all lose it sometimes. Like you were saying, you're mm -hmm. in it. Like I love when I say... Well, I'm in it right now. Like, and I can be so honest about it. Like I'm in it right, right now. I'm exhausted. Right. I'm not my best yes. self. Yeah. And it's like, but it's an important awareness to have too. Right. So it takes two people connecting heart to heart, spirit to spirit, and the lights come back on, right? Even if we're having a hard moment. And that's what breath does. I think it's like giving ourselves that deep connection. Yeah. Breath I think when we that. can figure out how to give it to ourselves is key. That's the magic. Yeah. You are amazing. I want people to also know there is a teacher training three Sundays in a row yes. starting November. What was the date again? Fifth. November, November 5th. 5th. Yep. So go, if you want to learn breath work, first of all, you yeah. don't have to have any desire to teach it ever. Right. If sure. you just want to have a deeper dive in attaining this beautiful, beautiful modality that I always find when you do trainings like this, you take these modalities, they just become so part of who you are and you don't ever have to teach it. Now, if you want to teach it, Rebecca is a great teacher to also teach you that too. But I don't, I always feel when people hear teacher training, they feel like, oh, I don't necessarily mm -hmm. want to teach it. It's like, no, right. but do you want to yeah. have it as more part of your life? Yep. This is like the most effective way to do that. Yeah. And so it's I think three 50%, Sundays. Yeah. I think 50% of the people always come and go, I don't want to teach it. Sometimes at the end though, they go, I want to teach it. I, I don't want to teach. <laughs> yeah. So come however you are. Yeah. Yeah. It's not a prereq. Um, how mm -hmm. many hours is it on Sundays? Uh, it's 10 to four. So okay, six, yeah, six hours for three Sundays. So six, 12, 18 hours. I mean, that is guaranteed huge base. transformation by the yeah. way. Mm -hmm. So Rebecca is amazing. Like I said, she is one of the most powerful teachers. Okay. Um, so don't miss this opportunity to work with her, but also what a powerful person you are to just share your story like that. I mean, even from us just starting with just relationship advice in the beginning, <laughs> I mean, that's such important information for all of us every single day. And I appreciate you. And I'm glad you kicked yourself in the ass and are here doing what you're doing because it's amazing and huge. And what a beautiful story to remind people, like, it doesn't matter what you go through, like life can be beautiful. That's right. 
Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. I really, I, since we first connected, I've always been so grateful for you in my life because you gave me my start, actually. Mm. You let me teach at the beautiful studio that I will always remember. And it has such a beautiful, sweet spot in my heart. I appreciate you. No, oh, I appreciate you. Thank you. Mm -hmm.